all you creatures of the night. Tonight we take a walk within the woods to a secluded cabin in order to get away from the fast-paced rhythm of the city, a weekend away with friends to relax. You get cozy, but soon the drinks start flowing and the sin creeps in. Demonic spirits enter the cabin and take hold of the mind and flesh, turning your friends against one another in a bloodbath of dismemberment. Amidst the maelstrom of eye-bulging pus, mangled fingers, and foaming bile, will you be able to make it through the night with your humanity? This is It Records. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast again this week. I am your, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Matt Johnson. I'm Peter Hansen. Joining me, joining me is Peter Hansen, as always. The amazing and beautiful Peter Hansen. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 1981 cult classic, Evil Dead. Directed by Sam Raimi, uh, which had many, 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 uh, I guess, sequels and, I guess, just art in general that came from it. But we'll be talking about it, but before we do that, I would love to send it over to Peter Hansen with our creepy headline this week. Pete, would you take it away and creep us the hell out? I, I will certainly try. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get real right. close to the microphone to make it extra spooky. All right, I'm ready. I'm on the edge of my seat already. This is from Reddit No Sleep, uh, little blog area, uh, okay. written by Franken Poop. That's uh, Franken underscore Poop uh, for anyone that wants to read it. Uh, it's a good read and uh, it's a true story apparently. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear from Freaking Poop. <laughs> True story about a weird abandoned mansion. So this is a little different. It's an abandoned mansion. Mm. Not a cabin, but I thought if I thought it suited well enough. Yeah, it's pretty close. It's just a little uh little higher class, <laughs> I guess. From someone named Poop. <laughs> from some from freaking poop. He's he's too high class for us. <laughs> uh with that being said, <clears throat> Um, in the town where Frank and Poop grew up, there was a house that had been abandoned in the mid-80s. It was huge and used to belong to someone important in the 30s and 40s and then was inherited by his daughter. She up and left one day and left behind all the family's items in the house. I didn't hear about this house until 2012 after I'd moved into my apartment of my own in the same town. Here's an important detail. Before I moved, their search for an apartment was so important to me that I even dreamed about it. I remember a dream where I already moved. I was in a large room, standing on a wooden square, suspended from the ceiling, looking up. I could see into the attic. I remember loving it and thinking, wow, I live here? When I woke up, I forgot all about it and moved on with my life. Anyway, a few months after I moved, I had some friends over, and they told me about the banded house. They told me about the times they had snuck inside through an op- open area and how strange things happened to them. Two of them described feeling pain in their legs in a certain part of the house without any injuries. Some had been, some had seen a dog that vanished. One girl said that when she and a group of her friends went in the house, they tried contacting a spirit, and all of a sudden they heard an old organ playing in the attic. The stories went on and on. Weird things appearing in the mirror. Were dreams after visiting, footsteps. So I'm sure many of you would. I was dying to go. I was pumped up and ready. I'd always wanted to see a ghost or experience at least something paranormal. My friends were ready and willing, and I couldn't have been more excited. We went to a convenience store and bought eight flashlights. 
two for each of us. Pretty Scooby Doo, like if I may say so. Yeah, that's a lot of flashlights. <laughs> I still remember the general rush of walking into the house, seeing it emerge before us. It was big and beautiful, and we all felt it was such a shame that it had gone to waste. Approaching the opening, which was the back and led to the apartment, we all got nervous. None of us were religious, but we decided to join hands and pray. Let me clarify that all of us are girls. LOL. Just, just, you know, it's okay. No freaking poop. <laughs> it's okay to be scared. <laughs> one by one, the four of us went in. It was the afternoon around 3 p.m., so there was still plenty of daylight. We made our way through the basement. It was very dark and cold, despite the fact that it was summer. Telltale sign right there. Uh, it was full of items, mm-hmm. nooks and crannies, and small openings. There are plenty of spaces where you could expect to see a body or a ghost. Simply put, it was straight out of a horror movie, and I loved it. We found nothing scary in the basement, though. We went up to the first floor. There were many rooms. I never counted them, but probably around ten, with two kitchens. Damn, two kitchens? We sat in one of them. It is a mansion, Pete. <laughs> That's true. We sat in one of them <laughs> and listened to and there was nothing. So I urged my friends that we should try contacting a spirit. If there's anyone here, please give us a knock like this. And she knocked on the hardwood floor once. That wasn't very loud, I apologize. <laughs> we waited probably about 10, 15 seconds. When above us, we heard a single knock. Could that be a coincidence? I whispered to her. Can you do this for her again? Can you, can you do that for us again? If there's anyone here, please knock twice. She said, and knocked twice on the floor. We listened. Knock, knock. Again from above. We all looked at each other and listened some more without a word. Can you tell us something else? The same friend asked. Are you a man? Knock once for yes. We waited for a knock. Guys, what if there's a person in here? I whispered. Again, we hushed and listened for a long time. I remember feeling very scared. After what seemed like several minutes, we heard footsteps from upstairs. They didn't seem to lead anywhere, though, and they were very random. I clutched one of my friends, and more. And the more scared we got, the more intense the footsteps became. We think it was feeding off our energy. You might think we're crazy, but we decided to go upstairs. I, it's a rookie mistake right there. Uh... <laughs> Again, many rooms, but these seemed less scary. We passed about three bathrooms and four bedrooms, and we entered a large room. There was a square suspended from the ceiling. Ooh, full circle. And a square hole that looked like it didn't look into an attic. Although I didn't remember at the time, I eventually realized it was like in my dream. We looked at it, wondering how it was used, before we moved into another room. One friend entered the next room, then another friend behind her. As the friend that was walking in front of me was about to enter, the door slammed fiercely in her face, setting all of us in a panic. We all knew that none of us had touched the door. We bolted out of there because our lives depended on it, and we wanted to... Ah. We went back to my place and discussed what happened. But we couldn't stay away. Over and over again, we went there. In the middle of the day, in the middle of the night, all hours of the day. Surprisingly, nothing happened at night. Even at 3 a.m., all my ghost activity happening during the day. We grew obsessed, 
buying Ouija boards. Oh shit. I'm not messing with that fucking shit. <laughs> and pendulums in an attempt to communicate. We dreamed about it. I dreamed about it more than I admitted. One of the girls had dream had a dream about the owner of the house threatening to kill us if we ever went back, which of course we did. We explored every corner of it. But anything of importance was long stolen, and all that was left was dusty furniture. Old photographs, typewriters, telephones. The beds were still there, chairs and so on. The organ was still in the attic, in very bad shape, pressing the keys provided out-of-tune and haunting notes. There was a bedroom on the second floor, where each of us felt sexual energy. Some of us girls even said that they had done sexual things there with unlikely partners, even though they weren't attracted to them. They were just there, with a person, and it happened. I moved out of my apartment sometime later, into a different town for a year. The dreams continued through the months after that. They were all pleasant dreams, such as me living in a house and having it nicely decorated. All the dreams made me long for it, but one day, they just stopped. I stopped thinking about the house and went about my life. I was visiting my hometown again and drove past where the house was, only to find out I was gone, and had been gone for a few months. The same time that my dream stopped. I don't know what happened there, but it fascinates me to this day. Damn. That's just a creepy story in general, man. Some sort of connection to the to this mansion from Freakin' Poop. Freakin' Poop. Yeah, well written, and uh, it was pretty to the point, and had a little, little extras in there to... Make you really connect with the person. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Did you say where that happened? Did you know where that happened at? Uh, no, I think uh, it just said like her hometown. I don't. I don't think she was specific. Oh. Okay. Uh, man, that's pretty creepy. You have any stories like that, Pete? Any sort of haunting experiences? <laughs> uh, not not involving a cabin or a house. Uh, I have. Just on the street, uh, on like a busy I a, street. I have a funny one. Yeah. You, do you want to hear it? Not yeah, right. I want to hear it. I, I asked, damn it. Okay, so uh, <laughs> when I was in, I believe I was in high school at the time. Um, so mm. we didn't have much to do because we didn't really drink or do any drugs because we had nothing mm. to do besides watch movies. Horror, horror movies specifically, of course. Mm. Um, so it was cold one night and I was driving my convertible. Sabrina Sebring, as I like to call her, uh, R.I.P. <laughs> oh, she's gone. <laughs> That's a shame. But um, I was with uh, three other friends, and we went to this neighborhood, a real richer neighborhood, where there's no streetlights. You know, they like to keep it like a little darker at night. Wait, a uh, a real rich neighborhood? Yeah, you said like a, with no streetlights. No street really, they're, they're like gas lamps. But you can't really see anything. Like, okay, it's very yeah, dim. Very, very dark. And so okay. we pull into this uh, park and just like, you know, talk and shit. And uh, my car's getting really foggy because it's winter out. And we're talking, mm-hmm. building all this condensation. And then mm-hmm. I turn and I see a figure just looking at me in the park mm-hmm. with a dog. But I can't see. I can't make out any facial or body parts of this person. Like I can't see their hands. I can, they're wearing boots, and I can't see their face because they have a, a hood pulled over their head, 
and it's just darkness. But I can feel them staring right at me. And I just scream. Eh. <laughs> and then my friends think I'm just being stupid. And then they look and start screaming as well. And then I was like, really? fuck, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I start the car and just yeah. bolt the fuck out of there. That's terrifying. And it wasn't just you, which makes it even more real that your friends were like, fuck. Yeah, the- Pete, you're right. Let's <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> That's creepy. Huh. All right. Well, well, we got our creepy headline. Thank you for that, Pete. Riveting as always. It was a great one this week. Bring it Thank on. you, Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to this week, the episode. We're going to be talking about Evil Dead, the 1981 film, not the remake or any of the sequels. But if you haven't seen it at this point, I'll, I'll uh, sum it up for you real quick. Five college students take some time off to spend a peaceful vacation in a remote cabin. While they're there, a book and audio tape is discovered, and it's evil is found to be powerful once the incantations are read out loud. The friends find themselves helpless to stop the evil as it takes them one by one, with only one survivor left with the evil dead. They desperately try to fight to live until morning. So that's Evil Dead in a nutshell. If you haven't seen it by now, it's a cult classic. Now, Pete, uh, before I get into it, I don't know if you picked up in my intro, uh, I said we take a walk within the woods. Did you pick up on the connection at all for this this film? If I drop that little egg in there for you, the little Easter egg. Well, I didn't, I didn't catch that you said that, actually, but, um, you know, they're in the woods, so. <laughs> oh, right, of course, but um, the phrase, within the woods, was specifically chosen because in order to get Evil Dead made and funded, that was the short film that Raimi made um, that turned into the full-length Evil Dead. He made a short film called Within the Woods, basically was the Evil Dead, to sort of generate interest and get some money. And then they made the Evil Dead from that. Interesting. Mm. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, I read several books uh, this week, you know, really researched into this. But, yeah, based off that, Sam Raimi um, is our director with this film. Um, And Bruce Campbell is the main star, of course, if you don't know him. But wrote it when he was 20 years old out of Michigan State. Movie takes place in Michigan. Pete, we'll get into the movie a little bit here. I'll first ask, this is a cult classic. If you're into horror at all, you've seen Evil Dead. You know of Evil Dead. What was your first experience seeing this movie? When was it? And what general reactions to it? Oh, boy. Because I have Um, mine. I have mine for sure. I want to say I was about 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So I want to say I was still in high school at the time. Um, I want to say I watched it with a couple friends because I've seen it. I've seen it a lot, so it's kind of hard for me to pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen this movie at least six times. As uh, yeah. I was really into it uh, around that time, I I saw like Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness like immediately after I saw this. Right, of course. I tried to. I had, to, I had to watch the rest of them because I really enjoyed them. Hmm. And it was just an overall pleasant experience. And each one, I was just, like, happier with the lore of the of the franchise. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, for, well, for me, it was uh, actually first saw it in college. Um, it was like my sophomore year, maybe. Um, just starting to get into the horror genre. I was a big movie fan, as you know, at that time, Pete. But I, I picked it up from the movie fan. Checked it out from oh, yeah. Rest in Peace. R.I.P. as R.I.P. as well. <laughs> yeah, for all of you who don't know, a movie fan was a, a fantastic movie movie store on Illinois State University's campus, where Pete and I, where we went. Uh, had every movie you could possibly think of for a movie store, really. There was one, one. movie I asked for what was that it? they didn't have. Uh, Rollerball. Rollerball. I think yeah. we talked about this before. Yeah. I can't remember. It's, I feel like it's even been recorded, even, maybe. It might be. Because, <laughs> I mean, definitely R.I.P. movie fan. I loved that place. I had the uh, the Marquise out front, you know? I got those. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah. Yeah, you did tell me that. Oh, yeah. We got those things. We got those bad boys. And then we write every movie we watch on the movie fan sign. Anyway, back to the podcast, folks, for all of you <laughs> who don't know the movie fan. So, we get into The Evil Dead. We've seen this several times, so we know it's ins and outs, really. But it was a very low-budget film. I mean, it's a, it runs a quick maybe 80, 85 minutes tops. It was about 300 50 grand to make um so it's low budget pretty quick um but pete that's what brings up my question it's been this cult classic for all these years um well i'll go with this one low budget horror how do you think it holds up maybe compared to other low budget horror movies you've seen um i think it i don't know that's a good question i think the a part of me wants to say that I'm a little biased because I think uh, the second one is better, even though it's basically the same movie. Yeah, people say it's like a remake almost. Yeah, it's like a remake slash like sequel kind of deal. It's like weird. Yeah. What are – I'm trying to think of some other low-budget horror ones that we've talked about. I, could it be one of the more – I don't know, famous, low-budget horrors? I mean, for the prowess it has in the horror genre. I mean, I would say the most famous one is probably Halloween because of how little it was made. And Mm -hmm. Friday the 13th is another one that comes to mind. Yeah. So it's like... How would you compare those? The the three of those? Yeah. If you had to... Let's say they're all low-budget and they're all pretty well-known. Does it compare to those two? I mean, I like Evil Dead more than Friday the 13th, in mm-hmm. my honest opinion. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that in an earlier podcast. And we, think, yeah. we think that's very overrated, the original Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Still like it, but I do think it's overrated. <laughs> yeah. I do, too. Same here. Um, but then, speaking of overrated, this is a low-budget horror film. It's cult classic. People constantly talk about it, and they even got a remake back in thir- 2013. Do you still think it holds up today? Do you still think it should be seen as, you know, as as well as it is now, as sort of a classic? It's like ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, or has it sort of not stood the test of time? I think people should still see it, and it is worth seeing. In it, um, just to, if you're very interested in the movies, at least because. Um, I don't know. There's just something about this movie that's still 
enjoyable and way and like you just could see where it got started like mm-hmm. they were able to do so much with such little money yeah and it that's just impressive and it created a great sequel mm-hmm. the better movie in my opinion army of darkness very fun oh yeah it goes um, back in time a solid remake in my opinion and a fantastic show mm-hmm. that's currently airing Oh, you're talking about was Ash vs. Evil Dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still have not seen it. Haven't witnessed it yet. And they, they just got renewed for a second season. You were telling yeah. me? Yeah. Immediately, it was renewed for a second season. It's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That, that's all. I, I mean, I've heard that from you and as well as anybody else who's watched it in the reviews I've read that it's it's uh, it's great. It's fun. It's campy. It sticks with the with the original content material. With that, I mean, this movie had several extensions of it. I mean, we talked about the three, the three movies of uh, Evil Dead Two, Army of Darkness, then this this series, but the remake as well, several comics and video games as, and uh, I Am Bruce isn't that another one that's kind of a a movie that came from this Bruce Campbell's film. Oh yeah, movie. that's like a. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely has its cult following. Um, but I would say I was going to ask you, Pete, what kind of subgenre this falls in. But I think you'd have to say with horror, it's definitely a, a great example of splatter. If you had to label it to anything, it, it's splatter horror. Which yeah, one? that's probably the best way to describe it because it's like we're deliberately focused. Really... On... Go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's not really like a possession movie. Mm-mm. I mean, and then like it kind of has like a zombie vibe, but like not really. Yeah, it. It. I agree. It feels like it's not really possession, even though what happens is they they read these incantations from the Book of the Dead, and the people sort of it's the they're there on the trip, but they're kind of it looks like they're taken over by some spirit, but there's it's not really possession. They kind of look like zombies, but they're they're not. They're not. The Living Dead. Um, it's hard to pinpoint, but I would say Splatter for sure, where it focuses on graphic portrayals of gore and, and violence, vulnerability of the human body and, and mutilation. A lot of gore in this film. and I mean, because you can only kill the evil dead through dismemberment and yada, yada, yada. If, if there is some kind of logic, because I, the logic that is defined... I feel like it's broken in like the next movies and stuff. Definitely, yeah. Where like the remake um, took some kind of like more uh, focused looked at um, the way to dispose of these uh, deadites as they're referred to in Army of Darkness, right? For the first time, yeah. The deadites, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of. You were talking about low budget, correct? Or, I mean, this is a low budget film at three hundred fifty thousand, um, grossed almost three million when it came out. The Canes in eight eighty two. But just to sort of touch on some little things that I found about how they worked around their budget, the cabin they used was an actual cabin they found. Um, the pathway to the cabin. Uh, was the literal pathway to the cabin in movies today? They would, they'd sh- they'd find locations and shoot for it to look creepy in different spots. But 
was listening to the commentary with Sam Raimi and, and the producer, and they just said, we got lucky, we got lazy and lucky, and found a creepy path. And there was there was no basement in that cabin. If you watch the movie, they lock one of the the people in a in a cellar types, and they go down in the cellar. There was no cellar in the cabin. What they did was they dug a hole like a few a few feet deep where that where they made a little door in the hole in the ground in the floor, and they shot the cellar scenes at the producer uh, Tarpet at his at his parents' cellar in, in Michigan. Yeah, oh, they, they, they have they had to go off and shoot it there and. All the smoke you see, um, they didn't have money for fog machine. What they had to do is uh, Sam Raimi was a big smoker. Uh, he would just smoke, and they would they would waft the smoke around from his cigarettes. Just <laughs> literally the smoke from the film. Oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah. And uh, those contacts, those the, when their eye, the demon's eyes or deadites, their eyes are like glossy and really deformed looking, you know? Those were those contacts were like the thickness of glass. Do you know about this? And they could only be on their eyes for fifteen minutes at a time because it would suffocate the eye. Oh Jesus! And and from the commentary, it was Bruce Campbell's job. He was like assigned it. He was the person who would have to time and take out everybody's contacts for him. So they really worked within a budget. All the glass you see break is real glass. They broke the windows of that cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are a few things I found. And uh, oh, two! If you're a horror fan, Pete, I got two little little tropes for you. You want to hear about this movie? It's a little uh, homages to uh, other horror films. Did you pick up on them at all? Yeah, wasn't there like a there was a poster? Uh huh. Um, was it um, shit? It was uh. Wes Craven's... Uh, oh, yeah. He's got it, folks. It's on the tip of his tongue. Is it the... Oh, fuck me. The Hills of Eyes? Yeah. It is the Hills of Eyes, and it's torn in half. And uh, he wanted to do that because in the Hills Have Eyes, the movie, Wes Craven, in the trailer scene, there's a Jaws poster that's ripped in half. And he was basically... Craven said in his commentary that it was uh, like that. That's pop horror. And he's ripping it in half because he's saying what I'm making is real horror. That's why they ripped that poster in half. And so they wanted to play on that and get into Wes Craven and go, if you think that's horror, this is what real splatter horror is about. And so they ripped up the Hills Have Eyes poster. Didn't Craven also retaliate in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Didn't oh, like a, I don't know. Maybe. I hope so. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I remember reading that he had an evil. there was an Evil Dead poster. Uh, nightmare. Uh, the original with like with the yeah. the man Johnny Depp. Yeah. I'll have to look I I could that. I I feel like I've read that somewhere. I could be I feel like I read that somewhere. So I, I'm saying with with full on confidence. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first and it records. <laughs> Craven rips Raimi in Nightmare on Elm Street. What did, I, I didn't I didn't say that. <laughs> Elm Street came out in what 83? 80 Definitely. Oh man, I'm gonna look that up. I want to say it's '83. I, I thought it was '85. Was it '84? '84. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. Yeah. So it definitely we'll, could. We'll meet in the middle. <laughs> you definitely could have been. I mean, '81 was this one. Three years later, bam! I'm gonna rip up the Evil Dead. I'm gonna. I might watch that tonight, actually, and and look for it. 
And but. you're going to text me and be like, you're wrong, Pete. Pete, you're an idiot. <laughs> no. But uh, I want to backtrack for a second where you were mentioning the the <clears throat> excuse me, uh, where like kind of like possession scene where like um, I actually have a clip here where it's uh, yeah. Uh, Cheryl is possessed. I don't know if you remember that character. I remember Cheryl. Cheryl? Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, Cheryl. Cheryl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's married to to Larry. <laughs> no, that's different. <laughs> but uh, this clip here is like kind of a. It's a pretty good testament of what the movie's like. Um, gives you like the whole feel of like, oh, listening to the recording. Remember that? Oh yeah, when they basically read the incantations for the first time, summoning yeah. the evil dead. And then yeah, I'll just uh, you know what? I'll just play it. How about that? <laughs> All right. It has been a number of years since I began excavating the ruins of Kandar with a group of my colleagues. Now my wife and I have retreated to a small cabin in the solitude of these mountains. Here I continued my research undisturbed by the myriad distractions of modern civilization and far from the groves of Akadim. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins a volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturan de Manto, roughly translated, Book of the Dead. The book is bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. It deals with demons, demon resurrection, and those forces which roam the forest and dark bowers of man's domain. The first few pages warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant, but are never truly dead. They may be recalled to active life through the incantations presented in this book. It is through recitation of these passages that the demons are given license to possess the living. Hey, what'd you do that for? It's just getting good. I just don't want to hear it anymore, that's all. Hey, come on, I just want to hear the rest of it. No big deal. Tatra amistrobin hazarta. Tantir mano mansizon hazan sobar. Samanda robza. Darhis hiker dans de roza. Ganda. Shut it off. Ganda. Shut it off. Kanda. Shut it off. Alright, thanks for that, Pete. Thanks for that, that clip. Really got the viewers. Uh, viewers, I'm never going to get it. Podcasting, they're listeners. You guys listen to us. Um, anyway, as, as we were talking before the clip, and you, we were talking about uh, uh, The Hills Have Eyes homage, I said there were two horror movie homages in this film. One you nailed, The Hills Have Eyes poster. Can you name the second? Ah, can you can you give me a, a little help here? Sure. Um, it's not as obvious as that one where it's like a poster. But it's when they first arrive at the cabin, the cellar door opens up. And they go downstairs. Bruce and the other guy. It's really the setting 
and the way they sh- they uh, they set up the scene, the cellar, the way it looks, is supposed to be an homage to a film that came out in 1973. Well, 73, I want to say it's uh, The Exorcist. No. It's not no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Let's see if I got the right year. I thought it was this movie. I'm thinking I was 73. It, I like this movie. I almost, when we did our director-producer mini-episode, I almost chose this director. Okay. 74, I'm sorry. 74. So it's not out. The Omen. It's not The Exorcist. No. 1974, I almost chose this director for our other mini-episode. Was and it I, Craven? Is it a Craven nope. film? No. Not Craven. Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't double down on Craven. Mm-mm. Oh, God. All right, I will, Can you picture... Can I get Can you one picture more the hint? scene? One more hint. Um, one more hint. Uh, I could I could imagine the scene, but I'm drawing a blank. It's uh, it's my the things like they go down in the cellar and there's the things hanging from like the ceiling and stuff and from like the workbench. Things kind of like dangling around. Oh man, I know exactly what you're talking about. Shh. Shit. <laughs> what else? Everyone, I'll give you the director's name of the other movie. Everyone, everyone's just screaming. Everyone's like, "It's blah, you idiot!" It's this movie. You fucking idiot! Oh man, I'm not even cheating right now. That's that's the thing. I'm just like trying yeah. to trying to think. Um, I'll give you the director's name. Last name was Hooper. Ah, oh, okay. That gives it definitely away. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the, when they walk into the house, another face's house for the first time. You see all those bones and like uh, skeletons sort of hanging, the feathers everywhere. It was supposed to be a tip of the cap to that film. Hooper was a big inspiration to Raimi. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of directors, then. Uh, Exorcist came out in 1973, you bastard. <laughs> I know. I know. I recanted my statement. Uh, 1974 was Texas Chainsaw. I just wanted to... That's why I was so confident with that. With that. I, was like, yeah. oh, I was like, oh, The Exorcist. <laughs> yeah, touche to that. I wouldn't have known what year The Exorcist came out. I didn't even know. I thought Chainsaw Massacre was 73, and I, that's one of my go-tos. 74. Idiot. Idiot. Anyway, of directors, Pete, one of the final questions that I thought had for you is: Is one of Raimi's first like actual pictures that was received well? I mean, Stephen King even liked it. Basically, what got it picked up by New Line Cinema was his rave reviews of it at the Cannes Film Festival. But what did you think of the the filming style of this? There's a lot of like tracking shots and POV camera POV handheld. Uh, but not like a Blair Witch type handheld. It wasn't a you weren't cognizant of the camera. The the characters weren't. How did you do? You think it worked, and why do you think so? Why did you like that? I think it works because like I I really testament uh, that POV style to Raimi, to even to to the Evil Dead series, and the yeah. only time I've seen a POV like that was maybe Spider Man Two. Because he also directed that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> With uh, Doc Ock's arms. But there's also mm-hmm. another movie. Um, it's called Evil Dead Trap. It's a Japanese mm-hmm. movie that came out in like 88 or something. 
Yeah, I think it's like a... It's their version of it, right? Kind of. It's like... Kind of. It's kind yeah. of got like a similar vibe where... But it just like really goes off the wall. But it has... It, the only thing that's similar, it goes... It's because it's playing off the popularity of Evil Dead. But it takes its own thing and has like very Italian-inspired music. But the POV is there. That's where the inspiration is still there. Is that like, and mm-hmm. you get really like a like you're like a ghost or some kind of other other world being vibe. Definitely, that's a good way of putting it. Especially when they use those. It's like swooping through the swamp area at the beginning. You feel like yeah, it's a some sort of weird otherworldly creature you're following it's there with you and the pov works well for me too even though like sometimes i don't even realize it because just it works so seamlessly in it that it that you know i i loved it i loved it i loved all of it um but pete um oh real quick before i ask the next question uh you know the when the beginning shot it's almost iconic i feel like when i think of this movie where it's moving through the woods before they show the car and it's like going through the the river, the swamp, or whatever. And it's it's um, that was the third, uh, I guess, take their third idea for the opening to that movie, and they shot it like the very last thing. It was a last minute thought. They had two other ones before that. They didn't have that. They just had them arriving at the cabin, not the the POV camera swooping through. Interesting. Yeah. I think it was definitely added an element and needed to be in there. Yeah. With that, Pete, before I do defend and destroy, a quick question. What was your most cringeworthy kill or dismemberment in this film? It's not even dismemberment, even though Sam Raimi played other characters (laughs) because they weren't there. But that's a that's a story for another time. As we're <laughs> we're falling behind here. Yeah, we are. Um, you know, I'm just gonna go with the obvious choice one where uh, a vine uh, rapes a girl. <sighs> and yep. My fa- now I'm gonna say not my favorite. That's the wrong choice. Um, <laughs> when it was funny, that's not even a great choice either. When I saw the remake, it was interesting. Another bad word choice. I'm just going to stop talking. But I, I brought uh, a friend of mine to go see this movie because I was like, oh, I love you, old dead. And then my friend turns to me and be like, uh, did that vine just rape that girl? And I'm like, yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in the remake. But yep. same thing happened. I would say it's almost even worse in the original. Yeah. And that was added... Uh, that was added by the producer Tarpit. Um, I was listening to the commentary. It was supposed to, the vines were supposed to attack her. He wanted to add that as a cringe-worthy, cringe-worthy element that the audience wouldn't be expecting. Um, and he said he remember his wife watching that movie before he married her, saying whoever came up with that's like a sick son of a bitch. He's paraphrasing it. Little did she know that she'd be dating him and then marrying him <laughs> later on in life. Oh that boy. Was his idea. <laughs> Yeah, it's a messed up scene, but uh, 
the one that always gets me though um even though i know they're coming is either when the pencil stabbed the achilles tendon and dug in and ripped around um or at the very end when the girl comes out from uh, being buried dismembered and buried and she starts basically with her nails clawing at his le- his leg and ankle and just ripping rip through the jeans and then at his flesh until bone starts to come out always gets me always makes me cringe I mean there's just a lot of See? gross there's just a lot of gross parts in this movie yeah it doesn't stop it keeps going there was only one I mean one that was in the original script that had to be censored I don't know why but uh, when the guy I always forget the other guy's name not Bruce but he comes in and uh, he looks wounded like he was attacked and he sits him down on the couch. He has a large uh, stick protruding through him. And he had like a really mangled, broken wrist. And that was the one thing the censor said you can't show. And they wouldn't, you can, you can kind of see the stick coming out in one scene, like poking out, but they couldn't show it straight on. And later on, Bruce pulls it out of him, but they never show, they never show it straight on. That was the one thing the censors were like, nah, you shouldn't show that full on, it's too gross. I, I, to me, that's not the grossest thing that happens in that movie, but they said no. Yeah, that's that's an odd choice for anything to censor, of, no. of all things. I know. All right, Pete, we've been talking people's ears off for a while. We're running, we're running late. Would you defend or destroy the 1981 cult classic, Evil Dead? Defend. I'm gonna go with a uh, another. Uh, Quick defend. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think we talked up how much we like it this whole time. Yeah, I think we we talked it up enough. <laughs> yeah. So Pete and I defend the Evil Dead. Please go see it if you haven't. It's it's a, a need to see for any horror fan. And before we we come back next week, we'll be not next week, but two weeks as always. Um, be sure to follow us on our website at recordspodcast.com. We'll have our blogs up forums please talk to us hopefully have some contests up soon give us your material we love hearing from you twitter and facebook you know where we are that's what we'll be doing and uh yada 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 it's uh yeah it's it's time to (laughs) yeah so with that everybody i'm matt johnson and i remain in the shadows and i'm peter hansen